Hello and welcome to the Tai Chi Notebook Podcast. My name is Graham Barlow and this is the podcast where I talk to different martial artists I've met over the last 25 years. In this episode, I catch up with my old friend and teacher, Damon Smith. Damon is an incredibly experienced martial artist with a background in various Chinese and Japanese arts, including karate, kempo, shingi, baji, choi foot, and those are just a few of the arts he's pursued to a very high level. But despite being a great martial artist, Damon's true love has always been shamanism. And while he's no stranger to banging a drum, Damon's shamanism is not the hippy-dippy sort of practice you might associate shamans with. Instead, it's a very down-to-earth and practical art, much like the martial arts he does. In this episode, we talk about the link between martial arts and shamanism, and where the crossovers lie. Hello, Damon. Um, with me today is Damon Smith, who is the co-host, or well, sometimes the only host of the, the, the world's, the, I'll say the world's leading podcast on shamanism, because I've never even heard of another one. So I think you can say you're the there best. Are, some. are you the best? There are some. You're the best. Uh, I, we we certainly get the best reviews. That's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you you're all. I mean, I I've known you since about uh, is it about two thousand and one? It's ages, mate. It's like Absolutely that's ages. like twenty, 20 years. years. Twenty years. Twenty years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we used to meet up and practice some martial arts together. While you used to teach me, um, all things Shingi related. It was great. Well, more recently you've been teaching me BJJ, so it's an exchange <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing what happens over And actually, years. you you actually, at one time, you actually taught me Charlie Foot as well, if you recall. Uh, you were one of my, the people who introduced me to that wonderful martial art that I love. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, so yeah. really appreciate it, mate. And then you got to meet Sifu Rand and just dropped me as a Charlie yeah, Foot yeah, teacher yeah. instantly. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry. I understand. I understand completely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, so I mean... When we when we first started to meet up to practice martial arts, after yeah. I remember after every practice we used to sit around um, at an outside table in the pub, or outside the pub, um, and and we just sort of you know you'd, you'd got these martial artists together we'd be talking away and he'd always bring up this subject of shamanism, and yeah. it was like everyone would kind of look at each other going what's going on about now what like. What, why don't we talk about yeah. martial arts like you'd expect? And uh, eventually, <laughs> we talk about shamanism for a bit, and eventually the, the subject will just get back to the Shingi or, or Tai Chi or something. Mm-hmm. And then, But then every time, you know, the, ne- the next time we practice, we sit around the, and they start talking about shamanism again. And everyone will be going, why is he talking about this? And it, it wasn't, I don't think it was until I, I listened to the first few episodes of your shamanism podcast, which you only started in about 2015. Um, yeah, that's right. I realised that I would say over well over fifty percent, maybe even like eighty percent of what we were doing when we were practicing martial arts was actually shamanism. It is shamanism, <laughs> exactly. Exactly, and the penny dropped many years later, and I thought that was clever because you 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 basically you were teaching us shamanism without letting us know that that's what we were doing. Yeah, exactly. And would you say that that in more recent years, you've just gone even more in that direction. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I'd be more honest about it. Uh, I was always in that direction. So, you know, I, I guess except when I was a kid, when I was very young, I started learning martial arts in the 70s. Yeah. And I, I did it, you know, the whole usual thing. I think it wasn't actually Bruce Lee that got me into it. I think it was those those TV series like Monkey and the Water Margin and all that stuff that made me enthused about it. Mm. I remember saving up my pocket money to go and buy this awesome, amazing book, Bruce Tenger's complete book of karate and and self-defense. When I was, I don't know what age, I was very, very young. Uh, and I remember going through the bins for whatever reason. It's this big department store in, in Sunderland uh, on the bus by myself. I think it was just sort of the, the first year I was probably allowed to go on the bus by myself. And, um, and yeah, so that, that was how that happened and that was my first introduction i was copying all the postures out of the book and stuff it was about i guess about 1977 uh, and i did all the usual things that a kid does uh karate and judo and all that stuff you know that is what was available nothing available but you know i never really had a good teacher until into the 80s um it was i I, said there's nothing wrong with them just it was it was almost like the blind leading the blind in those days 
I used to go through the Crotary Leisure Centre in Sunderland, you know, and we used to dress up in our little white suits and we'd have our coloured belts on and stuff. <laughs> yeah. and we'd be so... so I mean, we, we didn't have a clue. And we, we didn't realise at the time that the people teaching us didn't have a clue either, but we were so enthusiastic, you know? <laughs> so Yeah, it was, a, it was a different spirit of the times, wasn't it? People were, were just so into martial arts back then. Yeah, and we, what we lacked in knowledge, we made up for the enthusiasm. And it was wonderful. I'm very nostalgic for it. You know, often I... I threatened to set up an 80s dojo, you know? Yeah. Uh, we, we talked about that on, on uh, our Heretics podcast. We, we, we were talking about the, what's it, uh, Cobra Kai. Co- and all that Cobra stuff. Kai, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, that made me so nostalgic, that series, you know? Yeah, and it's, yeah. It's all nonsense, you know, and modern martial artists would, look, not all, because, you know, there was, we were very fit and we were very strong um, because we did, you know, our warm-ups were like, vast majority of the lesson was the warm-up you know yeah um i remember i was in a biology lesson and we had this this bike like an exercise bike and they were putting these i can't remember exactly what it was they're measuring vo2 max and Mm. they put these sensors on you and this 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 you had to breathe through this tube and uh, they were measuring different people's vo2 max which is one of the many measures of fitness i'm not sure it's even a good measure of fitness but i used to hang out being a shamanism leaning kind of weird guy I used to hang out with the dosses in the class so I think they were surprised that I was like the fittest guy in the class when there's there's a bunch yeah, of American yeah. football players in there <laughs> and, it, and, and I think they were, you know everybody was a bit of like quizzical looks can you double check you know and yeah, it was down yeah. to these martial arts kind of warm-ups you know it's just you know, one of the ones I remember a lot was doing bunny hops with somebody on your back you know, and other, which Ooh. were dreadful for your knees, just absolutely yeah, dreadful. Yeah. And and but we were so enthusiastic, and it was just you know. So when I say modern martial arts would would have had us for breakfast, I mean you know, since many years later I did MMA and stuff, you know, um, and modern martial arts would have had us for breakfast. But on the other hand, in terms of the level of fitness and determination, maybe they'd had more of an issue than they might have expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, martial arts were just like that back then. I remember Sifu Ran telling me that when he when he started doing a, like karate or or judo or something like that, they used to, uh, jiu-jitsu back in yeah. the, like, you know, 70s, they, they used yeah. to do breakfalls on hard wooden floors, no mats. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the way you did it. <laughs> and and then coming into the 80s, you know, when I, when I met the guys, that, that got me into shamanism, uh, you know, about 1985, I went to university and it was around about that sort of time that, that it started to happen for me. Um, you know, one of the first guys that got me into shamanism was was a martial arts teacher as well as a, a self, uh, kind of, well, a, a, a practicing shaman, if you like, person who mm. identified himself as a shaman. And and I thought I was great. When I met the guy, I, I was going to exchange knowledge with him. You know, I was I'm a martial arts champion, and um, you you obviously do this weird martial art thing. I don't know what it is. Turned out to be Shingi, but I don't know what it is. Um, and um, you know, I, I got a rude awakening. Frankly, uh, mm. the martial arts champion lasted about three seconds when I started sparring with the guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so quite, um, quite a, a, an interesting introduction to that, and and then then I started to see the sort of smoky side of, uh, the smoky side of life. That that what is martial arts ultimately? When you when you learn martial arts as a beginner, as a kid, as I did, you, you're very focused on technique, aren't you? You just want to learn all the techniques. And mm. I, I even remember having that kind of attitude, right? I've learned when I was a kid. I've learned this technique. When's when am I going to learn the next technique? Kind of thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you do have that real technique focus, um, but but actually, once you get into it, you start to see that there's something behind the technique. There's so different martial arts have their different ways of doing things. Uh, they have their strategies. You know, I mean, for instance, with BJJ, a lot of about, about getting position. Um, and that's in some ways that's more important than the actual technique that you're that you're trying to use uh, yeah. or that you're using is if you're in a, if you're in a strong position i guess in any martial art if you're in a strong position it's it's a good place to be <laughs> yeah i guess it's just easier to positions are obviously stronger when you're on the ground than than they're obviously yeah yeah stronger but it's also stronger. true standing up yeah but it is also, also true standing up it's 
Yeah, but I just you can't. You yeah. just it's not as obvious when you look at people when when they're standing up as to who's in the stronger position. But it's still there, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, and it's true in, in push hands as well. And sometimes in push hands and tai chi, you you know when you're in a bad position. You can feel it. a lot of that sensitivity that you develop in push hands is is about getting a flavour for when you're in danger of being in a bad position, yeah. and sort of then knowing how to respond to that. And again, same with tai chi, you don't. It's not a technique based art, and Tai Chi more than any other art. I think you can see that in the form. There's no, I mean, I know in books they put freeze frame positions in books, you know, mm. but but when you start to get into it, those freeze frame positions are actually the most useless positions in the whole of Tai Chi. All of the stuff happens in the transitions. Right? <laughs> not, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, them. and and I think that one of the ways that Tai Chi, I mean, I never had any respect for Tai Chi. To to, to be honest, I never had any respect for it till I met you and and your teacher now, my teacher, Sifu Rand. I didn't really have any time for it. One of my Xingyi teachers was also a Tai Chi teacher. Um, and I had a bit of time for him. Um, and then in later years, when I was training in China, uh, one of my teachers there, I, I, I was sort of joking, Xingyi teacher, I, I jokingly sort of said, well, Tai Chi is a bit rubbish, isn't it? And, you know, he just goes, no. I'm like, ah. <laughs> This is one of the guys who I'm the most scared of on the entire planet. Yeah, um, yeah. So I thought, so this started to change my mind about it. Uh, but then when I met you guys and I, you know, actually met some Tai Chi people who can fight with it, it's it was um, it was a, it was a big revelation for me, uh, and a good in a good way, in a great way, you know. Um, and so I, I think one of the one of the things that I want to get to with that is that Tai Chi is a great example of where the principles come to you quite quickly. As long as you are doing it as a martial art and you're not doing it just as a health thing and you're imagining stuff, uh, you know the imagine you can imagine whatever you want, can't you, when you're doing stuff? But when you when you start to apply Tai Chi as a martial art, you can't ignore the principles, and because there there aren't really any techniques to speak of. <laughs> no, it's no, there aren't really. Flow and change of energy, and I think that's one of the things that's great about it. I mean, the, the thing that's bad about it is the horrifically low standards across the globe. That's what's bad yeah. about Tai Chi. Yeah. Um, but but it gets you into the principles, and, and that's where certainly one of the things that happened to me with my Shinyi, uh, is that sooner or later you start dealing with energy uh, and patterns that occur within energy. Energy changes patterns. I mean, the Book of Changes is a, is a great example of that, isn't it? The, uh, yeah, um, yeah. You know, the Tao, uh, uh, idea of the Tao from the Tao De Jing, that's something that l underlies the surface of reality. We look at reality, but there's something underlying that, sort of shining out like a light bulb, if you like, in, into a real mm. reality for us. And that you find that, you know, the past and the present and the future aren't as separate from each other as you thought they were when you were a kid focused on technique. And that, that kind of energetic aspect of martial arts is what I started to get into in the mid 80s. Uh, I started to see the whole thing as just energy patterns and, and strategies. Mm. The, uh, the, the, the idea being that you, you use a strategy to interact with energy patterns in the ways that you can in order to get some beneficial outcome. And then with the help of my teachers, I started to see that was not just limited to human conflict. It's not just limited to fighting. In some ways, fighting is one of the easiest places to get a handle on that. <laughs> you try doing yeah. it in the workplace. You know, this is my day job. <laughs> my day job is effectively shamanism in the workplace. Uh, yeah. It's it, Workplaces are far more complicated than anything you're ever going to run into in a fight. Um, and so the then as you start to look at human beings not in conflict with each other, but human beings working together productively in in productive relationships that that have put that's what's really put us in our place in the world today as a species we are bad at fighting compared to tigers for instance we're pretty bad at it yeah well, uh, but but what we have we to are, we have to train really hard don't we to get good at it whereas yeah, tigers well, just do it don't they yeah how much yeah exactly i don't care how much training you're getting you know um best to look with a tiger mate that's why <laughs> Well, well that's a lot of a squirrel. I mean, a squirrel, yeah, a squirrel when you rack it, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, give you a nasty bite anyway. So, so, but but as soon as you, 
you you look at a shamanistic what's shamanism about shamanism is about creativity it's about trying out new things you know uh one of the one of the things that was given to me by my teacher very early on was you know find i've talked about this find a way to cross the stream um there's a stream out in nature it's quite hard to cross find a way to get across but then find that that's a sort of the sort of thing you might do in a team building exercise in you know you go off with your colleagues from work and you you're trying to find a way to put a bridge over the stream or get across the stream or something like that but yeah. um but then the thing that turns it into shamanism is find every possible way there is to cross that stream uh, not find a way but find every way that gets us into a more of a shamanistic type of task uh, and that's mm. all about getting close to nature to looking at nature if, if nature's a car you're not looking at the bodywork you want to not understand the engine uh, and that's kind of a definition of shamanism and we do that in the martial arts in, in push hands in taiji push hands is probably the best way to, to get a grasp of shamanism through taiji is that interaction with the other person the other person is their nature you can't just do whatever you want uh, you can't be blindly imagining that you're the greatest tai chi master on the planet. You you have to take into account the fact that there's another human being there who you're interacting with, who's putting energy into your body, uh, and you need to learn to to respond um, and, and develop that kind of sensitivity to listen, stick, yield, neutralize, and attack if you get the opportunity. Um, that that kind of way of uh, looking at the world, take that idea from a combat scenario and broaden it out to everything in your whole life. There's, there's shamanism. It's, you know, uh, that, that's what shamanism is. It's all about energy and energy patterns. It's about what is a shaman ultimately. A shaman is somebody who wants to understand not the surface of nature, but what, what lies behind it, the heart of nature. Uh, and ultimately, what I came to a realization through the years is that everything really is energy uh, all of these things are just recurring energy patterns you know water going down a plug hole spiral that kind of um, motion that you get as water goes down the plug hole the clouds billowing the waves on the shore you know they, they go away and they come back again they go away and come back again all of this stuff is is just energy patterns like going away and coming back again to the waves on the shore is very similar to that motion that you get when you first learn push hands you know Listen, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you ward off, you roll back, you, you push or press or whatever you're doing, that those sort of basics you learn in push hands. That is exactly the kind of thing that's going on when waves are going back from the shore and then rolling over onto the shore again. You know? uh, and, and, you know, the, the, you know, the spiraling of the galaxies and all that kind of thing, the, the earth going around the sun. These things are not separate from each other. They're not diverse from each other. And in many ways, that stuff that we do in the martial arts, as you know, Tai Chi is not, not high on my list. I do a ton of different martial arts, and I do do Tai Chi. It's not high up on the list, but it is there. Uh, the mm -hmm. stuff that we do in push hands is, is, a, is a kind of microcosmic representative of that grand cosmic um, interplay of energy that's been going on in the universe since, since the universe started. And so, so, so to recap, what you're saying, the connection between the martial arts and, and shamanism is is the recognizing of patterns in nature um and when you say energy you kind of mean like movement and i'm talking about real energy like yeah not not woo woo energy not not yeah yeah mystical energy i'm just talking about ordinary energy i kinetic yes. energy and, and kinetic energy, all yeah. the, and, and heat energy and all the different types of energy there are in the world i mean we could talk about chi if you want i think we've done that on another podcast somewhere no i'm not going to get you started talking about because it, <laughs> it, it, it takes about an hour to to give you a yeah, kind of biological yeah. understanding of of yeah, that doesn't yeah. it it's full, it's full that, justice that's a key point i am a biologist i was trained as a biologist and so yeah. so you that i guess that has slanted my understanding of shamanism i i i have to be said it the two ends of biology, and I, I favoured one end than the other. If you think of one end is biochemistry, which is one of the most complicated brain-hurting subjects on the planet, that's the end I stayed away from. The far other end of biology is animal behaviour, and that's what I got into. Because of my passion for Xing Yi, I developed a, a Xing Yi is based on animal behaviours. Uh, I developed a passion for animal behaviour in, in biology, and actually my, my passion for that in biology came from my martial arts. Uh, not not the other way around, which is quite interesting. 
I'd always been interested in biology. Obviously, I did all right in it to do it at university and stuff. But yeah, but that was that was the the way that I got interested in animal behavior. I bet behavior. a lot of the sorry, I bet a lot of the people who do shingi who are listening to this, um, I, I think shingi is based on animal behavior, is it? Because although when I met you, it, it was instantly obvious how that's true. Um, I just just free performing the martial art. I mean, um, I mean, looking back, those are some of the. The, the most fun I had in martial arts has been being in the, in a, we used to train in a field, didn't we? Um, just outside in nature. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. These, these, you know, picking Getting up this sort of animal on, stuff. Snowed on. That's, that's the rained best way to train. Snowed on, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Horizontal I, 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 blizzard. <laughs> but when when you're doing Shingi out in nature, you don't mind being rained on, do you? It's, it's so weird. You just Lovely. lovely. It's lovely, isn't it? And, and you've got to great, remember it's a battlefield. Very, who, yeah, who has yeah. an indoor battlefield? Who hasn't in the battlefield? Yeah, exactly. But uh, most of the people, I mean, I think we, we we could go on for hours about how all the terrible things that happened in China in the 20th century really yeah. d- did for their martial arts. Um, and a lot of this yeah. stuff just vanished completely. Um, and it, But it's it survived in pockets. People, people tried to kill it, but you can't. You, you can't kill what's inside people's... I mean, you can literally kill people and they're dead, you know, cultural revolution and stuff like that. But you can't... You can't the, the living people, you can't kill what's inside of them, but you can certainly modify their behaviours through force uh, mm. through social pressure. But my point in terms of you can't kill it is it's there in nature. It's still there. Even if we as human beings cease to exist, if we wipe ourselves out, Nature is still there. Nature is a book. In, in, in Rosicrucianism, they call this the, the book M. They just put an M with a dot, and that's because they're the whole secrecy thing. But M stands for Mundi, the Latin word Mundi, which means the world. Read the world, read nature like it's a book, like you would read a book. And, and ultimately, isn't that the I Ching, right? That's, that's what the Chinese probably took the Rosicrucians at their word and said, okay then. Um, and they turned <laughs> the bleeding thing into this book, the I Ching. Uh, mm. which is a phenomenal work. But from a shaman's point of view, it's also completely pointless. Because it's like you you understand in shamanistic terms is a participant. Shamanism is really a set of techniques that enable you to participate to to remove human beliefs and ideas and opinions from you and nature, and, and to try to get closer to nature and allow nature to teach you as directly as possible, without going through the filter of you know human ideas and human perception, human culture, and all that kind of stuff to try and put yourself in situations where you're doing that directly. Um, you know, lying naked in the snow will do that for you very quickly. The The issue is that what you believe and what you understand and your, your worldview are, are clouded by the culture and the, the upbringing that you've had. But you put yourself in a situation like lying naked in the snow. It doesn't matter what you believe. Um, you will have the sensations from nature that the snow is giving to you uh, pretty dramatically. You know, we do a lot of stuff, you know, in Japan, Japanese shamanism is often practiced under a waterfall uh, for this very reason. Uh, sometimes that's called mizugori in Japanese. The, mm-hmm. the point being that you're trying to put yourself in a pretty harsh situation, a freezing cold waterfall, you're putting yourself in a half situation specifically so that that harshness of it, uh, sometimes that's called aragyo, it means severe austerities in Japanese. You, you're, so the harshness of it, of it sort of blasts through all of the nonsense that you've got in your head uh, about the realities of nature or otherwise, it blasts it away. And that's why I say, you know, martial arts also does that to a certain extent. You know, you you sparring with somebody, you get some pretty friendly highly friendly sparring in an MMA or whichever, uh, you know, type of martial art takes you fancy. Uh, that's the same situation. It, the reality that you can be KO'd, uh, uh, blasts through or, or choked out or whatever, blasts through all of that belief stuff that's in your head, yeah. all of that faith-based stuff. And, and I think martial arts are really good for that. They're not quite as good as a waterfall, but they're definitely <laughs> in that direction, you know? Yeah. And so so this is this is what opened my eyes to to shamanism as a whole, is just think the stuff that those, at least those martial arts that are fairly honest, I mean, think BJJ is another example, they're fairly honest with themselves. 
they do a lot of you know as long as there's somebody trying to stop you doing what you're trying to do in whatever martial art you do i think that's a fairly healthy thing okay and and get that in tai chi as well with push hands and and various other uh, practice exercises that we have in tai chi uh, the, the, the as long as there's some of that kind of natural reality in it then you can learn an awful lot um, because the, the one danger for anybody trying to be a shaman is that they'll do it all inside themselves that they'll allow their own beliefs their own view of the world to color their practice of shamanism uh, and you do and unfortunately you do see this and i it's just you know i, I just cringe uh you know i'm i'm flying up into the clouds and there's a purple <laughs> unicorn has come to no it hasn't you know, yeah, it just hasn't, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's just the old spirit journey, but, yeah. people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the two, two week retreat uh, or two two day retreat, sorry, and then they're, they're taking spirit journeys. Spirit journeys are, are, are quite an advanced technique in shamanism, uh, and there's an awful lot of training to be gone through before you even think about spirit journeying. But no, you, the, the other way, if you use your imagination, you can do spirit journey from you know day one, basically. Uh, mm. Only get your spirit guide, right? Oh yes, the, the 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 owl, the owl has taken me under his wing, and I'm now he's now my spirit guide, and you know, and it's that that's the big trap. Or the, or the penguin, the penguin in Fight Club, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but the same issue that we've got in martial arts that don't do that testing stuff, that don't do a lot of testing, is the same issue that we've got in shamanism. It's not a different issue. Do you follow what I mean? The yeah, imagination yeah. stuff in the martial arts where they just say, this is the way it goes, you know, but trying hard not to mention Aikido, trying my best. <laughs> um, the, but martial arts like that, uh, where then there's not a lot of testing going on. Um, that imagination stuff that this is how I would defend against an attacker and this is how it goes. And it's really peer pressure that makes it go that way rather than any kind of, any kind of uh, ability, sorry to say. I didn't, incidentally, for those that don't know, I did Aikido for years, years and years and years. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I feel qualified to criticize it a little bit in that way. The the issue there is, and, and Tai Chi has this issue as well, you know, when I when I arrived in, in China, when I first arrived in China, it's about 1997, mm -hmm. I think was the first time I arrived in China. I'd read all those magazines, you go in the park, and you, you, there's loads of martial arts going on in the park. So like the Temple of Heaven Park, for instance, in Beijing. Yeah. Loads of martial arts going on in the park. You'll be spoiled for choice for martial arts to do. And you are in a way. Um, but on the other hand, I've never been more disappointed in my life. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just dreadful, dreadful waving my arms around randomly. Uh, with a lost sheep look in my eyes. Kind of martial arts to choose from. <laughs> And of course, there are some great people. Don't get me wrong. There's some great people. And I eventually managed to find some good people in, in Beijing. But it wasn't oh, you, were there for, you were there for quite a long time, weren't you? No, on and off. China. I wasn't there permanently. I was on and off. I was there between about 1997 and 2002. I think that was the sort of time period I was there back and forth. But I actually set up a company in Beijing. Yeah. Um, uh, not Unfortunately, not for me, because it was quite a successful company for my boss. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was stuck on a plane. We stuck some money in the HS. It was, it was a comedy of errors. This man was a very, 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 uh, low, low brow attempt at moving into China because China was all the rage, you know, that we, we thought people were cheap in China to hire. I mean, yeah, they, they weren't, we thought they were, um, <laughs> but, but we said, we got this beautiful office, uh, Suntown building down near, uh, Beijing railway station it's probably been demolished and rebuilt and demolished and rebuilt like 30 times since then given the level of development that went on in Beijing yeah. but it was a cool it was really the building looked cool from the outside that the plumbing leads something to be designed but it was a really cool flash modern office building that we got uh we had a quite a lot of help from Shell who let us use their offices uh in in Beijing when we because I did this twice over I did this once with Oats so when we did this the second time rather than us getting our own building we we let sh use shell's offices before we actually um before we actually uh started thinking about getting our building the second time around which is which is quite a sensible thing to do but that first time that i did it uh which i was with was just like uh just like oh 
man, it was so amateurish, it wasn't real. So this basically, long story short, we stuck some money in the HSBC bank. And of course we figured, it's a Chinese bank. It's going to be easy mm. to get that out again when we get to the other end. Then get on the plane, go over to China, into the HSBC bank. Can we have our money, please? No, you can't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, one, honestly, this is not kidding. The, the money's on the third floor. Yeah. So can we go up to the third floor? Nobody goes up to the third floor. We've got to wait till it comes down to the first floor before you can have it. Um, yeah. Well, when does it come down to the first floor? I don't know yet. We've got to wait till it comes down to the second floor first, and then we can find out. <laughs> Honestly, that was the kind of thing. Uh, setting, yeah, up yeah. A, setting up a company was a wholly owned subsidiary. We're setting up yeah. most of the companies moving over to Beijing in those days. Remember, this is 10 years after Tiananmen Square, right? Uh, yeah. Most of the companies, not even 10 years up, you know, most of the companies were doing joint ventures. So we say you had to do a joint venture, some weird joint ventures. You know, so IBM did a joint venture with the railway company or something like that, I don't know. But if you wanted to be a Western company and move into Beijing, the easy way was to do a joint venture with a Chinese company. But a Chinese company wasn't a company, it was a branch of the government that had recently been sort of devolved a bit. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was weird. But but my boss, Neil, he, he wasn't having that. He wanted a wholly owned subsidiary. And so, man, we needed approval from like 14 different government departments to get this thing up and running. It was it was crazy complicated. Yeah. Um, and but we did in the end. We got this thing up and running. It's still running today. Charles with China. You'll find them. You'll find them online somewhere. Uh, it's an awful long time since I've been involved in it. But but yeah, they're still going. And it was it was successful. So this was your um, basic your excuse to learn martial arts in China was yes. Well, that was when the volunteers and any volunteers who want to go over to China. Uh, yeah, so, so everyone else takes three steps backwards. We're based in Huddersfield, right? I'm the only yeah, one yeah. that takes 10 paces forward, you know? So, <laughs> so yeah, so it was wonderful. But I had a lot more opportunity, like I said, with my, my later, um, my later, not employer, but one of my customers to do more stuff in China with those guys. Uh, and and so it wasn't, that wasn't my only uh, involvement with with business in china but that was that was the first one it was also the most fun one because it was it, china changed a lot since then you know and i was glad that i saw it when i did um and I, you know there's a lot of stuff and i saw the state of martial arts in china at that time and i so you know and, and what you see from china now and even from then i'm sure it changed a lot even before that very very different kind of flavor and stuff there were people hiding man people hiding practicing you know what you might call traditional family martial arts they're, they're literally hiding um it kind of went underground the the, the traditional it, martial it arts it had to China. because uh, you you come under suspicion if you are seen yeah. as doing you know it was the whole modern wushu movement thing that's what was seen as legitimate martial arts you know you had to wear pajamas and do do stretch your legs and have a lost sheep look in your eyes. If you looked like you knew what you were doing, you probably came under suspicion, you know. Mm. Um, and it was all very, very, uh, and everybody had to look the same. They all dressed up in the same color suits and all that kind of stuff. And it, it, it's communism, isn't it? You know, it's it's that kind of everybody's the same, and the nail that sticks up gets hammered down and all that kind of stuff. Um, the you know, just read George Orwell. <laughs> the hmm. but. But there was some cool stuff there, and there is still is some cool stuff there. I mean, we, myself and our friend Donald, we talked often about doing a, a trip down to the south of China, especially the southwest, to to just go around the little villages and stuff, and um, just see see what was going. You know, uh, I remember uh, many years again in the eighties, probably quite early eighties. Stuart McFarlane, who's quite a famous uh, Tai Chi guy. In this country, I don't know if he's still around, but he, he was a lecturer at, at Lancaster University, and he came up to Stirling. I was at Stirling at the time uh, in Scotland, and, and he'd give us a lecture about um, that, that that whole thing with you know the art of fighting without fighting and all that kind of stuff, which I found really really interesting. I was chatting to him afterwards, and he said when he was going around south of China, uh, every little village they had like two or three of their own martial arts in there, you know, that nobody's ever heard of. I thought, what. A, great road trip you know just to go around mm. the south of china from one village learning all these martial arts that, that's what that's what appeals to me in life is not learning all the martial arts that everybody knows when i started shingy nobody had heard of it i didn't even, i never even heard the word shingy um it, that was one of the things that's that appealed that to me about it because <laughs> nobody i didn't know what it was 
Um, all, was, all, all, you, all you got was the guy that beat you up, and you were like, I want to learn this. I don't exactly. know what it's called, but exactly. I want to learn this. That's it, you know? <laughs> and um, and I, I found out that it was called Ching eventually. Um, but but there's martial arts like that now. I, I know I've seen that in the in the park, even when I've been practicing in the sticks up in the north of Beijing in those days. Obviously, all these guys are trying to hide. Um, they're not in the Temple of Heaven Park. Uh, one of my teachers asked about the people in the Temple of Heaven Park. He just laughed. He said, stupid people. <laughs> that, was a, that was a summary of these like thousands of people doing this stuff in the, in the Temple of Heaven Park, you know. Um, and um, and then I saw, I saw also hiding other in the dark, other people, because they're practicing in the dark, these guys, other people mm. there. Um who were also doing really interesting, smoky-looking, weird stuff that I'd never seen before, you know? That's the stuff mm. I want to learn when, when, I, when I do go back to China. Uh, and I do this sort of road trip around the south, you know, uh, southwest. We're talking about sort of um, Yunnan, you know, the place where the tea comes from. The martial arts yeah. of Yunnan, that's the kind of stuff that appeals to me, man. You You're know, talking about basically as far away from the capital as you can get, aren't you? Yeah, as far away from <laughs> tourists as you can get. That's pretty much what yeah. you want. Uh, and just check out their martial arts. There's a few little bits of videos of stuff from down there, stuff like uh, Lai Tai and all that kind of stuff. It looks great. It looks amazing. Um, that you can find if you search through YouTube a bit. And I'd love to learn some of that stuff. Uh, just like Kalari Payat. I've got some friends who do that in India, but I've never actually had the opportunity to go over to Kerala and learn it. But I've got friends there. So I mm. could go and learn that. Um, That's the kind of stuff that appeals to me. And, and I, I want to explain why it appeals to me. Somebody... Who, who studied shamanism for a long time. Ultimately, shamanism is about learning your place in the world as a human being. It's about learning and understanding in an essential level why you are here, why you are put on this planet. And, and what you find when you start studying that is that you, you're not separate from nature. You're not something that's, you know, you're not a, a world, an island until yourself. There's no differentiation between you and, and the rest of nature. Uh, and in a way, thinking that there is is a kind of arrogance. And, and so one of the ways that shamans do this is to look at the world in different ways, from ways that ordinary people don't look at the world in. That's why we do all these techniques that people found weird. It's really about perceiving and experiencing the world in a bunch of different ways. You know, so we use drums, for instance. That's famous. We use the voice. We use stuff like homoluk. I'm going to start using Mongol words now, sorry. Um, we, we use uh, a bunch of techniques that a lot of people would find weird or strange or unusual to experience the world in unusual ways, to break our thinking patterns, to break our own opinions and ideas about what the world is like and to try and participate in it very directly. And you can do that with martial arts, but you can't do that with one. My feeling is you can't do that with one martial art. Uh, it's mm. because that only gives you one perspective you know and when we were kids we, we used to like karate and we thought karate was it was a bit like Cobra Kai we thought karate was the be all and end all of everything and we thought the other ones were a bit rubbish you know um, but that's just like a religion isn't it you know and, and I think <laughs> that, that having done a ton of different martial arts nowhere near as many as I want to do as you know to, to a reasonable standard uh, has been one of the most enlightening things in my life and I've learned more about the world through studying, you know, Tai Chi, Charlie Fort, Jing Yi, Kempo, you know, karate, the list goes on and on. I'm currently, a friend of mine's currently teaching me Okinawan karate, which I'm really enjoying at the moment. That's my latest. I don't know how you fit it on your brain, Damon. How, how do you, how do you fit all this stuff in your head? Because it's well, some advice I had from one of my teachers was, um, was keep it separate, keep it separate, compartmentalize them. Yeah, so when, yeah. You, when you're studying white eyebrow kung fu, you study white eyebrow kung fu. When you're studying Charlie Foot, you study Charlie Foot. And, and when, they, when you want to combine them together, just trust the fact that once you've got a handle on them, martial arts that you get reasonably decent standard at, you'll be able to. Just trust that. Uh, and don't, you know, um, don't try to, try to worry about all the other ones when you're studying one of them. And I mm. found that is really good advice. Um, and, you know, we, we talk a ton about how martial arts are defined and what makes a martial art. And for instance, MMA is a great thing. I think it's one of the healthiest things that's happened in the martial arts community uh, in recent times. 
I, I do enjoy it, the, the, the technical aspects of it. I'm not so sure that I like all of the culture that surrounds it, but I do enjoy MMA mm. as, a, as a technical discipline. But really, it's a martial art, you know. It, it's, it's, it's become a martial art in itself. It has a, a sort of rule set and a, a worldview. There are not a lot of spears get used in MMA, for instance, um, but there's a ton of spears get used in Shang Yi. So, you know, there's all this kind of stuff. And um, I do remember one of my teachers that this was up in Stalin again. Uh, they had a quote unquote, no, they were going to have a quote unquote, no rules competition for the martial art. There was a ton of different martial arts. People were quite keen in Stalin on different martial arts, a ton of martial arts going on. And somebody suggested having a no rules competition, and then he wanted to bring a spear. Um, and that's not how the most of these sort of the people who had this no rules idea were the sporty type of karate guys at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, and that you know the the idea that somebody might bring a spear to a no rules competition was not in their <laughs> worldview. Do you follow me? Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. and it's that broadness of worldview that I like about shamanism. That that you know that the world is broad. And there's so many wonderful martial arts in the world. And, and when I see people having arguments over what's the best martial art, I'm just like, oh my goodness me, that's just the exact opposite of me. I want to do every martial art on this planet. I want to be brilliant at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Please make me so, Graham. You know, I want to be great. <laughs> I want to be great at the Okinawan Karate that I'm learning off my friend Derek at the moment, which I'm really, really enjoying. Um, yeah, yeah. I want to be great at White Eyebrow Kung Fu. You know, that's hard. That's hard. I've got a friend who can teach me it if I can just get a hold of the guy, you know, and, and I want to be great at Charlie Fort and I want to be great. You know, that's that's my, what I want with martial arts. I'm not Picking which is the best one is just seems to me to be completely missing the point. Um, it, it's more like there's so much richness and wonder out there in the world, just in the realm of martial arts. So much beauty. Just within, look at all those different Taiji styles, you know, Sun style and Gen style. Like, oh, I'd love to be brilliant in all of them. You know, it's amazing to me how you, you keep this. You keep this attitude of isn't that amazing? Whereas, I mean, I, I know I've, I I know lots of martial arts guys, and and myself included. Like when I study a new martial art, I find it hard, and then I go, I can see this hear this voice in my head going. This voice in my head kind of tells me, oh, this is just isn't the way I'm used to moving. I can't do this, and and you kind of want to give up, but you never seem to. You know, you, it's, you, it's, you're the sort of person that gets that voice, and it makes you want to go on I more. Want the pain. It, it's so <laughs> yeah. humiliating. You know, it's so humiliating that when you, you know, I know how to fight. I'm a fighter. I've done martial arts for all these years. You know, and then some idiot comes and teaches me Charlie Foot, and I'm like, what? Uh, <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm I'm supposed to be good at this, you know? And it's um, and and of course you can you can blag it. You can say, oh, okay, I'll I'll. I'll just do Shingy or whatever and make it look like Charlie Foot. And, and, and I sort of did that for a while. But then I thought, there's something in this. You know, there's all this great, you know, dynamic stability and all that kind of stuff that you get in Charlie Foot that you don't really see in other things, you know. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it, un, unlike the, the, for instance, the Karate Kid movies, which I love, incidentally. So I don't think I'm criticizing those movies. They're amazing. But, you know, when Mr. Miyagi does the drum with the, the bits of string and the two things to tell yes. Daniel San yeah, how yeah. to fight. Charlie Foot really does that. It doesn't pay lip service to it. Charlie Foot really does that, you know. Unlike yeah. karate, you know, and especially <laughs> like the karate that's in that movie, you know. And, yeah. and so, so there's there's all that kind of stuff, and it's just wonderful to me. And it just frustrates me that you know, human lifetime is is so short that I can't be brilliant at all of those things. I would love to be, you know, um, but I like to experience them, and I do it for the joy of it. Uh, but the point with that humility is it's very, very healthy in life. When I first started finding, you know, th that I want to learn new martial art, and I think I'm a great martial artist, like with that story I told you about when I met my first Yi teacher. Um, mm. uh, that's healthy. Having that humility, being humiliated like that, you know, you, you're full of that sort of human arrogance, you, you know, you're all of, I mean, I, I think back to the things I used to say when I was younger as a martial arts teacher, you know, I came to be a martial arts teacher to you. I used to think, what a prat, you know, just like complete twit, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's just that crazy arrogance and, and being humbled like that. Uh, you had it with your BJJ, didn't you? You know, I'm a great martial yeah, yeah. artist. I've been doing martial arts for years. Well, it doesn't help you much when you... When you it doesn't, it doesn't help sleep. you when you... Exactly. When you, you meet reality, like, like you were saying before, that reality just, you know, once you once you meet someone who's stopping you doing what you want to do and you don't know what, how to do any of this, then... 
Yeah. Then it's yeah. a great wake up call. I, 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 yeah. Just like you're saying, I really enjoyed that aspect of being a beginner again. I really enjoyed it when I started jujitsu. Really uh, good. Yeah, I, and and I, a lot of those moments are the most wonderful. I, I remember them fondly. My humiliations, you know, as time goes by, you get more and more of them. I remember very when I was very young. I mean, one of the first humiliations I had was uh, being dumped hard into the mats by a tiny little girl. I really dumped. I, it was. Um, uh, it was, uh, what do you call it? Tayatoshi, Tayatoshi. Like, oh, yeah, Valley, Valley Deliberately yeah. trying to stop her doing it, trying to stop her doing it. She pound me into the mat, this tiny little girl, you know? Like, do you know, I, I find, I, I find um, being thrown with something like that by a tiny person is much worse than being thrown. <laughs> I don't know what it is about the, 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 it's the a dynamics long way of the situation. It's a yeah, long way down, exactly, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you really go you go smack down, don't you? As well, it's not like a gentle drop; it's like yeah, bang. Yeah. <laughs> but but here's what I say: I, mean, I know you got your, your Tai Chi no was very very popular, and, and I hope you get quite. I hope this podcast is successful for you. It should be. Uh, you're a great guy, and you got a lot of say. You know, I, <laughs> I, I think that I think that if if there's martial arts, just listen to this. I, I'm sure a lot of you understand this idea. What I mean by the joy of it. That it, it's not just about, you know, people think, oh, when I was a kid, oh, if, if I learn martial arts, then I'll be like Bruce Lee and, and nobody will scare me because I go down a dark alleyway and I won't be afraid because if anybody comes at me, I'll just chop them. That's no, I'm sure you know, that's no kind of a motivation to be doing martial arts. It's just not, it's just, even if it's needed in life, if you live in a rough town, it's still an awful motivation to be doing martial arts. And I don't think it lasts. My my experience is the people that do martial arts a long time, the people I've met who have been really good at it, like Sifu Randu you mentioned, for instance, they're not really doing it for that and they haven't been for forever. They might have to start off mm. with, you know, but it's really the joy of it, the love of it. It's that, that, the, fun and enjoyment of embracing that kind of, I call it the weave, uh, guruk in, in Mongol, that that weave of of energy that's in the world and participating in that and being part of it and feeling part of something bigger than yourself. It's a joy. It's a joyful thing. Um, so when you, you know, when you do catch yourself being a bit arrogant and stuff, you know, just have a bit of a laugh at yourself, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and just think about the joy of it and just enjoy it and participate in it and you just, you know, that whole thing is, I view the world, the universe is like a massive tapestry of energy. And it's incredibly rich. There are repeating patterns in it. That's what the Book of Change is about. That's what the, you know, the Atragam stuff, all that kind of stuff is about. Um, there are repeating energy patterns that occur in it, but it is incredible. The ways in which they interact with each other, that's why the Yijings tends to be quite a big book, um, is is that it's incredibly complex and, and joyful and thank goodness you know who wants to live in a simple universe you know mm. um and so yeah and with the animals in Shengyi as well you know you, you mentioned that that a lot of people you know i'm doing the animal form i'm doing the snake form and i'm doing the tiger form and stuff yeah but again that's what i said you know when you start learning these things that's how you see things you see things as technique based and there's nothing wrong with that but at some point in your life you want to move past it and you know look to what's under the surface what's under the covers um and animals are wonderful i've learned an awful lot i tell you a lot of the martial arts stuff that i've learned in my life i've done by watching wildlife videos not <laughs> not just human beings you know uh you watch a tiger yeah action, you know amazing great teachers great teachers now you can yeah. do it safely thanks to all these do-gooding wildlife photographers you can <laughs> do it and youtube you can do that safely i mean talk about Fighting, masters of fighting, masters of that combat ability. Just watch a few tigers in action on YouTube. And there's one video I remember in particular, the tigers coming through the grass like they do because they're ambush predators. You can just see the grass moving, you can't see anything. And then split second, this huge tiger launches itself up in the air, takes a guy's hand off who's sitting on the back of an elephant, you know, in a split second. Yeah. Mm. And try doing that with your Tai Chi, you know. <laughs> uh, you know. Um amazing things that you can see and how they move and you know well, we could spend hours and hours talking about it but you know and so but but also in terms of shamanism itself shamanism for people who do shamanism um there's an awful there's an equivalent if not huge amount more stuff in that than there is in than there is in martial arts but i know this is a martial arts podcast so 
so not, not, I'm not dumping a whole ton of Mongolian technical terminology on you, but the, the, it, it opens out, yeah? So the yeah. way I see martial arts is a subset of all of that. It's so a, if the, people, there's a bigger if, picture. Yeah. If people wanted to, you know, if people are practicing martial art and they, they like the sound of what of things you're talking about, about seeing patterns in nature and... and mm -hmm. How would you suggest that they kind of get started in taking well, we, the shamanic view of a martial art? We we've we we started addressing that when we put the the Woven Energy podcast together. You know, just that that podcast is a linear podcast, and mm. we try to build a sequence of understanding because there's a lot of aspects of shamanism that's just it's just really not a very well understood topic. I know the martial arts isn't exactly the most brilliantly understood topic in the world either, mm. but but. Um, in terms of the misunderstandings about it, shamanism puts martial arts in the shade. <laughs> it's one of the leading subjects for misunderstanding on the entire planet. So we, yeah. we built that podcast with that in mind. So unlike a lot of podcasts, the, the Woven Energy podcast is not a dip-in podcast. It's a start at episode one and work forwards podcast. And we, we build that layers on layers on layers, starting with Chilisti and topics like that. Um De Saab in Mongol. Uh, very, very foundational uh, incidentally, that's just about just about basically taking your opinions and ideas, uh, and upbringing and and culture and all that stuff out of the picture. That's the scale of that, and we have that. You know, it's it's almost like um, Munen Muso in Japanese martial arts. It's almost like that um, hanging in the moment thing. Man, you call it in Taiji, right? That that mm -hmm. stillness. Uh, stillness, yeah. Uh, it's the same thing. It's not a different thing. And just back time, that was a Mongol word for it. Um, uh, and we start from that, and then we build up the different levels. We we look at different aspects of that, Bat, Toshaltin, and Guchich, and then we start building further. We start, in, in, so martial arts will take you a long way into shamanism, where you start studying the different layers or levels of shamanism, starting with Bat, and then you move into the Amskar. Well, Amskar's got an awful lot in common with stuff like Qigong, Qigong, or whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, and then you've got Butchig, Tsam, the, the, the whole uh, Bobachig, all, all those sort of things. That's the what we call spirit dance. The, again, a huge amount of stuff with the sort of in common with push hands, um, and and you know if, if you do every done your tai chi form in a free form way rather than just following the form, if you just start you know spontaneous, I do that all the time with tai chi is just free linking the techniques and the well mm. free linking the, the patterns in the form. Uh, it's a really great way to, to to do spirit dance with it, and and try not to decide what you're going to do ahead of time. Just let this as the as the spirit takes you, or imagine attackers coming in and you're dealing with them. You know that kind of thing. Uh, and so you know, and then into Guruch, the weave is that that sort of energy patterns that underlie nature that you get a sense for in push hands. You know, you, you that is that whole thing. How do you know that you're in a potentially difficult position? Well, you know that because you can feel the energy coming through opponent's actions you know and, and your actions that sort of sensitivity idea mm. and then so it's you you know if you think of the sort of seven-ish levels that you go through in shamanism martial arts by itself can take you all the way to level four yeah uh, yeah. Without ever having to do anything other than martial arts, Modok and stuff like that. Island, like the, the the you wouldn't be able to do that just doing martial arts. But my point is, if you're an experienced martial artist, you've probably got a lot of shamanism under your belt without really realizing it. Um, so yeah, so yeah, yeah. Which which takes me back to that bit at the start where you were teaching as Shingi, and then when I started listening to your Woven Energy podcast, I was like, this is, we used to do this. This is all the this stuff This is just singing, right? <laughs> this is just singing, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, and then, obviously, there's a ton of other stuff. So this is where I look at it. I don't look at it. I, I do my, 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 it's frustrated the hell out of some of my students, as you know, possibly yourself as well for a few years. Um, but it's not, it's not straightforward and easy, easy one, two, three. Yeah. About shamanism. <laughs> But then, yeah, but, but you know, but it, then, then when you start looking into it, you say, "Oh, oh, it is shamanism." You know, it's, it's not something yeah, exactly. different; it's the same thing, and that—that's the frustration I've had since you know, since but, well, almost from, from the nineteen eighties. Yeah, from my know, perspective, that is like, different. I, I, I didn't understand what shamanism was. That was yeah. the problem. I had a very, a very like modern miasmatic perception of it mm, as mm, being mm. some sort of hippy dippy stuff that yeah well that i didn't want that. anything to do with and but, then but it turns out yeah. shamanism was actually the really good stuff that i actually wanted to learn yeah <laughs> i but just that, didn't know it was called shamanism yeah. 
that issue, that shamanism that you're talking about, I know about that stuff. Have, have I ever come across it? I, I've got friends who do that kind of shamanism. Imagination-based shamanism, I talk it, call it. Uh, which to me is the exact polar opposite of shamanism, but anyway. Uh, but that is that modern wushu stuff, right? Martial arts has got that as well. That, that modern yeah. wushu stuff, pajamas and, and no idea what these strange movements that I'm doing are for. That That's martial arts version of that. Yeah. Mm. So so it's no difference in that sense. Um, but but what I would say is that a different way to think about it is that if, if you're an experienced martial artist, you probably get an inkling of what we're talking about here. You that understanding that you have, don't think about going over and doing shamanism as, as something else. It's more like broadening that understanding outside the sphere of human conflict and into other spheres of human existence. Mm -hmm. But it's that same thing. It's just the focus is no longer as tight as it used to be. It's, it's now going beyond combat and into productive relationships into the workplace into romantic relationships into your the relationship between you and nature and the relationship between you and animals and, and you and the clouds and you and the sea and you and the sky and and the mountains and all that kind of stuff it, it's just simply taking the lid off you take the lid off martial arts and you end up in, sh in shamanism that's another way of looking at it mm. uh, and where you want to be is like a tea bag in the ocean you know you're not a bottle in the ocean bottle in the with a cork in it bottle in the ocean if it's full of water the water in there's water inside the bottle and there's water outside the bottle but it's it, there's this barrier between which is the bottle what you want to be is is more like a tea bag you want to be participating in the ocean i'm using the ocean as a metaphor for the for everything but you can mm. actually do this stuff in the ocean uh, as i do quite often that's why <laughs> i moved down to, down to cornwall is to, to, to be near the, the to be near to nature, to be near to, to have the opportunity to do stuff like that that I didn't have when I was living in a town. Hmm. And, and but it's that dissolving the boundaries. And this is where we were heading with shamanism is, is coming to a place where we're not separate from nature. We're not trying to be separate from nature. We're not trying to be ourselves and powers unto ourselves and islands in ourselves, but we are nature. And so, you know, if you think about things that are dealt with in, in uh, theology and, and, and religion and stuff like that, eschatology, you know, what happens when you die? That's a nonsensical question to a shaman because the, the point is there's no differentiation between you and nature in the first place. Nature doesn't die. You're just an undifferentiated part of nature. So you, you, in that way, you don't die. Um, it's only because we think of ourselves as sort of these bottles these discrete bottles that are, you know, here for a while and then we're gone, that we worry it's about what happens to us yeah. after we die. Um, yeah. You know, the, the great shamaness Miki, she said, uh, you know, when, when you die, you're embraced in the bosom of nature. Um, but you never really left that bosom in the first place. You only think you did. Uh, and that's the, that's the... Um, that's the, the, the sort of shamanistic view on death, for instance. I mean, there's this whole you know, we got a whole podcast. It's like seventy odd hours of listing on different aspects of shamanism <laughs> we could talk about. But I guess we're talking about just the relationship with martial arts. But you can do that in the martial arts too. You know, it's just like martial arts are fun. Sometimes I see, for instance, with BJJ, I see people. You see, you see that rolling for fun, not rolling competitively, just rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling, and and neither the ones trying to, to end the roll so much you know it just goes and mm. when you see guys who are really good at bjj you know some of the, those um you know the, the guys some of those pioneer guys doing that it just looks beautiful it doesn't yeah, just it, look like tai chi uh, I mean, you know the, the the best the best roles i have in uh, jiu-jitsu i would describe as being like spirit dance with a partner um, yeah it's just like i mean this there's this um this this guy a friend of mine um Dario is a purple belt and he's got this sort of lovely uh like inverted spinning around head over heels type of jiu-jitsu when we roll it's just like a flow and he, he he never seems to be interested in like applying a submission or or stopping no, at any man. point he just wants to keep going so so I never try and submit him and we just keep this alternate flow of like a pattern of energy going yeah. and going and going and and like creative things come out of it it's fantastic that's yeah. what I liked about the cookie spider guard stuff you were showing us. It's just, it, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was weird in one way. It's a very <laughs> odd thing. It's a very, I mean, spider guard from, from a point of view, it's quite a specialized thing, really. But on the other hand, 
it, it's that yeah. con- so continuous you're sort of spinning around Absolutely. and going around the back. oh look at that's that's spirit dance man that's what yeah. it's all about you know S- spider guard is where jiu-jitsu leaves street self-defense behind and goes off on its own merry little <laughs> journey <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's beautiful and it's wonderful and, and who cares if it leaves street self-defense behind i'm not doing this for street self-defense i stopped being worried about that stuff in the 80s you know yeah um I, it's, yeah uh, i stopped i stopped i stopped being worried about that stuff after about two months of martial arts training i was like okay that's that i don't care about that anymore <laughs> yeah. it didn't it didn't seem that complicated you know <laughs> yeah and you know if, if stuff's gonna happen it's gonna happen you know it's it's it, it's you know putting yourself into a war zone uh for, for conditioning doesn't you know it doesn't really end well you know um doesn't matter how tough or anything you are it, it it's it's not good and it you know it's it's great that the people are willing to do that to save other people, but it's that's not that honestly that is not what made human beings who we are. It, it's the it's the loving, productive, caring relationships. It's it's our way of collaborating with each other. It's our way of experimenting and making new tools and new um, different things that that put us in our position on this planet as one of the dominant species on this planet. I don't say the dominant species, but one of the dominant species. And that's a big aspect of human life as well. And all the stuff that you learn in the martial arts about energy and, and changes and patterns and all that kind of stuff applies equally well to all of that. Unless if you know you start looking at the aging, you'll see that very quickly. Uh, and that's what I encourage people to do. That's what I spend my life encouraging people to do is just take the pot off the martial arts, take the lid off the pot and just expand out of it into this other wonderful stuff, which is actually what we're good at. As I come back to the point, as human beings, we're not the greatest animals of our size at fighting on this planet. I cite bears and tigers and, you know, various other things. Um, we're, we're not good when we compare ourselves to those things, lions and you know, even hyenas and stuff, which are smaller than us, actually. Um, Reminds yeah. me of that. Um, take take down one... a rhino. Go on, take down a rhino. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good luck with that. But... <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't I, you probably aren't really like up on the names of MMA fighters, but do you know the guy called Khabib. No, mate. Khabib Nurmagomedov. I don't watch it. I, I like doing it, but I don't watch it, mate. Yeah, yeah. It's, anyway, he he recently retired, but he, he he's like he retired undefeated, and he's a he's from Dagestan, and he's got this amazing sort of wrestling style, huh. and there's clips of him as a child wrestling an actual bear. Like a bear, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's not, not a to, big that's bear. Good way to learn. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, exactly. That's I mean, that's how he but learned. But there are, by wrestling there are, a real bear. There are. I mean, there was old videos of people wrestling tigers and stuff. But but what you don't see is that they've clipped the claws and they've yeah, drugged them up, probably. <laughs> yeah, and and probably the the tigers a pet. You know what I mean? Um, mm. But yeah, I. I ah, anyway, but that my 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 point there was. That's not what made us successful. Uh, we are good at tool making. We're very dangerous when we put tools on our hands, but without those tools, we're, we're pretty bleeding useless, frankly, uh, in the grand scheme of things. So so there's another role that shamans have had historically. If you go back to the, you know, prehistory, what people call cavemen, um, probably a bit of a derogatory term, but the shaman was the person in the group who was experimental, who was figuring out better ways to fish, better ways to hunt, all that kind of stuff. And that involved creating tools, which is another thing that's always been important to me in the martial arts is weapons. Uh, weapons training is who we are. It's what we are. We are good with weapons. We are crap with our bare hands. Uh, if you, you try taking down a, a good spearman, um, I don't care how good your bare hand martial arts is. You're going to end up dead very fast. Um, it's it's just nonsensical to think that you could could do that. It, it's just not possible. Uh, sure, if you get a massive mismatch, get an amazing uh, bare hand martial artist and, and a guy who's pretty crap with a spear, then it's possible simply because the martial artist is going to be able to grab hold of the spear. Uh, but that ain't happening with somebody who's good with a spear. You know, so um, you know, there's all this kind of stuff. We are good with tools, and that's why I think it, within the martial arts itself, I've always gravitated to martial arts that, that maintain their weapons training and obviously Shingy's big on weapons so that's probably why it's become my first love out of the many martial arts that I that I've studied is, is all those weapons you know yeah well oh, we've done about an hour-ish haven't we of, um, yeah indeed talk, is there anything else um, you want to mention 
not really. Uh, I think how, I've, how I've, people... I've made my plea to, to take the lid off martial arts and broaden out yeah. the rest of your life. I'm sure some of you are already doing that. Go for that. You, you see, there's the possibility that maybe you'll be teaching more publicly your shamanism at some point in the future. There is, yeah. I mean, I, I, st I did a, a couple of seminars in Austria uh, a couple of years ago now before lockdown. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so I'm, I'm gradually thinking about um, doing doing more of that kind of stuff. Uh spirit dance i love i do spirit dance all day long you know and nothing doesn't take much but spreading i might as well do a bit with other people you know mm. uh so so yeah so but i i, I committed to do another one in austria so i'll be going back there to do that and, um might might be doing some in in some other countries I, i've sort of half promised to do one in the u.s at some point in time um so cool. Actually, probably fully a promise to do that. <laughs> so, so when the planes are all flying normally and there's no hassle with governments, and you know, uh, there's another issue we, we left the we left the European Union, which makes things a bit of a more of a pain in the neck with passports and stuff. But, um, but yeah, so it's so plan to do a bit more of that kind of stuff in future. But and if you want to kind of get in touch or 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 find out more about what you're you're doing, I guess there's the podcast. Yeah, there's... yeah. Well, I have a ton of different podcasts, don't I? I do one with Graham. I do one called Heretics with Graham, which we do touch on martial arts subjects and we upset people left, right and centre. <laughs> which I um, not too, but... But we do, yeah. And um, so that's called Heretics. I'm sure you can find it, Heretics by Woven NG, um, which I, I do enjoy doing. And um, yeah, just just check out the podcast. If, if you want to... Interested in what I do, the, the best place is the Wolfman Energy Podcast. That's the best starting point. And there's, there's a bunch of stuff on there, your Patreon page and all that kind of stuff. You can Yeah, so if, if people want to get, if they if they listen to a few episodes of Wolfman Energy and decide that, you know, this, they like it, they can go a bit deeper, can't they, by becoming a patron and then... They yeah, yeah, we, we, have, we have some, I'm meeting up with some other the patrons bits. tomorrow, actually, tomorrow morning. So, so yeah, we are in, in Cornwall, the, the, some of the people are based in the UK. So we, we do stuff like that. Um, and so there's some behind the scenes, and, and we have a, we have a discussion group going. We have a chat about all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Um, so yeah, so there's all that kind of stuff as well. Great. Okay, well there you go. So um, hopefully you've made the case for expanding your view on martial arts into the world of shamanism. All right. Well, thanks for inviting me, mate, and thanks to everybody for listening. I hope I haven't broken the the, the se sequence of talking about Tai Chi too much. Well, it's 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 a sort of a. I know it's called Tai Chi Noko, but I I talk about anything really through martial arts, so mm -hmm. so it's all good. Cool. Uh, thank awesome, you very mate. much for appearing, and um, look forward My absolute to pleasure. speaking to you soon. All right. All the best, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us. You can find out more about the Tai Chi Notebook podcast at www.thetaichinotebook.com. You can support us by giving our podcast a positive review on iTunes and our page a like on Facebook. Just search for The Tai Chi Notebook to find us. Until next time, enjoy your training.